Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, welcome to another Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. Hope you're well. As I was beginning to record this, I thought it was a monumental Arsecast, a momentous Arsecast. Not in terms of the content, let's not fool ourselves here, but in terms of the number of the Arsecast that it was. I thought it was 175, it's actually 174, which is a bit rubbish, really. It's a bit like being the fourth brother of seven. Nobody remembers your name. Nobody cares what you think, and most of the time, they don't know that you're there. It is 174. However, it got me thinking a little bit about uh, the upcoming milestones. 175 isn't really enough to do something special, but 200, we've got to do something for the 200th cast. So I'm thinking a party, something a bit classy. You know, I'll hire a, a community hall somewhere, and you're all invited five euros entrance fee and i'm sure none of you would begrudge a man who has to make a living a five euro entrance fee especially when you consider the entertainment and the quality that i can put on for this 200th arse cast the food oh my god we're talking cocktail sausages sandwiches with a crust cut off bits of cheese with pineapple on cocktail sticks the music you could hire celebrity djs like Tall Paul, is he still alive? Or Paul Oakenfold, or or Gunnar Robb. And the dancing, oh. There'll be private dancing. Dancing for money. And any old music will do. You just couldn't miss it. But that's all to come in about uh, 26 weeks' time. Or maybe a bit more, actually, because there's bound to be some weeks missing because of interlulls and... Christmas and all that kind of stuff. So we'll get there and I'll keep you fully up to date on the plans for the 200th Arsecast extravaganza celebrity ball VIP thing. Yeah? I'll put your name down here. I'll just make sure that you're interested. Anyway, on with this one and there's lots to talk about because we've got the West Ham game, the Shakhtar game, look ahead to the Newcastle game. We've got an American blogger on the show, 7 a.m. Kickoff will be here in a little while. Internet Joe also, and there's other bits and pieces to keep us amused between now and the end of the show. So last weekend, uh, West Ham at home, and I was kind of figuring it might be a tricky game, but I didn't think it was going to go quite as close to the wire as it did. I was beginning to just sort of give up hope because it was the 86th minute and We'd had a few chances, and we just didn't really look like breaking them down. And Rob Green, a man who, generally speaking, is to goalkeeping what River Phoenix is to getting his drug combinations right, 
he was having the game of his life. Save here, save there. And he's not supposed to do that. He's supposed to look at the ball and, I'm going to catch this, and then go, oh, oh, fuck, that's gone in. I wanted World Cup Rob Green. Not the Rob Green that plays against Arsenal every time we play West Ham. But then, Gil Clichy got the ball on the left-hand side, cut in on his right foot, and I went, oh, no, his right foot. His, his right foot, no, nothing's going to happen here. He's never done anything ever with his right foot. And he crossed, and Alex Song headed home, and I jumped up and down, and Arsenal won the game 1-0. And I don't think we didn't deserve to win the game. It was just one of those that we left a little bit too late, really. I know West Ham were scrapping for their lives because, you know, they're bottom of the table and all that, but still. And then midweek against Shakhtar, and, and we lost a lot of players. No Danielson, no Song, no Fabregas, no Diaby, which is, you know, most of our midfield. And away from home in the Champions League and in the Ukraine, we've never won and we haven't kept a clean sheet away. You know, it was just a bit depressing, really. But we took the lead and it was a great goal from Theo and a fantastic pass from Jack Wilshire. And I think in the uh, excitement over Theo's run and finish, Jack Wilshire's assist, the fact that he played the ball behind the defence from where he was and straight into Theo's path is has been a bit overlooked. It was a brilliant, uh, brilliant piece of play from Wilshire. Uh, Walcott, I thought he was going to take it a bit too early, but I mean, it was confidence personified and a great start to the game. And then we just kind of stopped playing. And the limitations that we had on that night were exposed by Shakhtar, who did well uh, to make the most of them. Uh, Abue was having a dreadful game at right back and gave away the free kick, which led to the Eastman own goal. And Gail Clichy had a Gail Clichy moment. What can you say about the Clichy moment other than it was Gail Clichy-esque? He should have just put his foot through it and cleared the danger. Instead, he... I don't know what he was thinking. Do you know what he was thinking? Who knows what he was thinking? Hi, and welcome to the Can You Play Football Like Gale Clichy quiz? A test designed to see if you can play football just like Premier League star Gale Clichy. Here's a question. The ball is bouncing deep in your own half near the touchline. An opposition player is closing in. What do you do? A. Kick it out for a throw. B. Boot it upfield. Or C. Think about how splendid it would be to go for a long walk by the river on a lovely day with a pretty girl and a picnic basket. You have a think. We'll come back later in the show with the answer. But it led to Shakhtar's winner scored by Eduardo, uh, who didn't celebrate the goal. And I thought that was a nice touch, really, because who celebrates a goal when you're 5-0 down? even if he was playing against his old team and he said he didn't want to do it, but you're away from home, you're 5-0 down, you score a goal, you hardly run around like you've won the World Cup, do you? But to score a goal just before halftime in your home stadium and your home fans are going mental and not to react at all, I thought that was nice. I wouldn't have blamed him if he had a good bit of a, a fist pump and uh, if he'd pumped his fist into Clichy's face a couple of times, I wouldn't have blamed him for that either. Because it was just a horrendous mistake by Clichy, who at this point uh, makes those mistakes rather too often. Arsene Wenger accused the team of lack of focus and complacency, which is worrying. He said, we've learned that you can't be less than 100% focused. No, you haven't. Because you did the exact same thing against West Brom and they punished you. There's really no difference. 
Shakhtar are about as good as West Brom as well. That was a game, despite the fact we had many injuries, and I accept the fact that most of our midfield was out and the whole lot, that was a game we should have got something from. But Clichy's mistake made a, a bit of a bollocks of that. But anyway, there you go. We've got to look ahead to the weekend, and that's coming up a little bit shortly. But to talk about the rest of what happened between this Arscast and the last Arscast, here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's me 30-second roundup. West Ham at home, at their bottom, we should win that easy. No butter. Ah, lads, come on. Ah, fuck off, Green. Ah, will you fuck off, Green? Someone tell that twice. He's playing for England. He let one in then. We're never going to score. We're going to drop points. We're shy. So get in there, you Guinness-headed legend. Shakhtar away. Champions League. What a goal, boy, Theo. We're going to go win this. Oh, home goal. Ah, Eduardo. Clichy. You fucking dope. More from Internet Joe on next week's Arscast. Now, every week we have a guest on the show. If it's not somebody high quality, like Peter Hill Wood or Perry Groves or Wang Chung, who are following me on Twitter, by the way. And uh, I don't know that there's anything better than being followed on Twitter by Wang Chung. If you want to have fun tonight, then you got to be followed by Wang Chung, right? Let's face it. Anyone who claims they're having fun tonight without being followed by Wang Chung on Twitter, is clearly a liar. Nevertheless, if we don't have that kind of a guess, we have an Arsenal blogger, and I'm not suggesting for a second that the guys that come on and give their time so generously and freely and who talk expertly about Arsenal are, are any less important than the chairman of the club, a former player, or one of the greatest 80s bands of all time. I'm not saying that for a second. But we've got another Arsenal blogger on the show today, one who hasn't been on the show before. I'm delighted to welcome Tim from 7am Kickoff. Hello there. Hey, how's it going? Um, it's going fine. 7am Kickoff is um, obviously because you're in the States and 3pm Kickoff um, you know, uh, equals that crazy time in the morning to get up and watch football. But um, when I was speaking to you yesterday, it was 4.56 in the morning. Um, and this is a you know time when most normal sane people will be asleep, but you're actually up writing your blog uh, because that's, a, that's the only time you can get it done. I mean, that's commitment to Arsenal blogging right there. Uh, yes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, it does seem a little bit odd, but if you, once you switch your schedule, you know, you start getting up at 4.30 in the morning, it doesn't, it stops seeming so odd. Well, what, what time do you go to bed? Like six? No. <laughs> Uh, no, nine o'clock, <laughs> eight o'clock, something like that. Wow. Yeah. That's a, a strange schedule to me. It seems well, odd. Well, if you think about it, I have to, so I'm, I'm very new, actually, I'm relatively new to, to, to football, only about 10 years or so. So whenever I have, um, whenever I want to write an article, I have to actually do a lot of research right. uh, because I don't know, I don't know all the facts that you probably know off the top of your head. I, I make them up. Mostly. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe I should do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> then it's I can get some more me. sleep. <laughs> yeah. So I have to, I actually go back and I have to look through all the records and stuff like that to sort of get a little bit more of the history of the game so that I can understand and speak intelligently, at least pretend to speak intelligently about um, whatever I'm writing about that day. Right. Well, four, yeah, 456. Well, fair play. That's all I can I, say to that. I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> and amphetamines, I'm sure, <laughs> during the day, <laughs> where well, you don't have to admit to anything on air, obviously. Um, Champions League football uh, obviously uh, comes at a better time for you um, because of the evening kickoffs and, and what have you. So it's, it's more middle of the day kind of a stuff. Um, Arsenal away 
in the Ukraine on Wednesday night. Not a particularly good performance. It started well, uh, but obviously ended badly. Uh, what did you make of the, the performance, especially based on the fact that the manager has come out and spoken about a lack of focus and a touch of complacency? I, I, I touched on that before the game. I, I, th- I was worried about that happening, that uh, with all the changes to the side, that they would end up coming out and and sort of trying to mail in a performance that day. And uh, and you saw that actually happen after the goal. We just sort of switched off, especially, I want to just highlight, especially in the very end of the second half, they, they or the first half, they really just switched off. Hmm. And, and, and you could see that the goal was coming. And I know Clichy made an absolute hash of that of the clearance, cleared the ball, I don't know what he was doing. But the whole team was just, they were just sort of complacent. You could see they were walking, they were jogging back and and of course if you, Eduardo gets the ball anywhere near a goal he's going to score it so mm. so but yeah I, I really thought that that in the first half they looked they looked very poor after Eduardo after um, Theo's goal and uh but in the second half and uh, and I'm not not trying to tear Eastman up but when when Wenger removed Eastman you could see that the team felt a little bit Stronger, the, especially the midfield between Nasri and, and and Wilshire, and Wilshire really, I thought, was committed throughout the entire match. He was the one player that I thought was committed throughout the entire match. When you uh, t- when we talk about complacency and we look at uh, the result against West Brom, because uh, that was a game that yeah. was sort of symptomatic of, of problems that we've had in seasons past, where the players have turned up and they think, well, look, you know, it's only West Brom, we can we can go and do this. Um, it is a little bit worrying because the manager talks about the lessons being learned and uh, they're not necessarily being learned when he has to keep talking about the same thing. Well, that's that's the story of the last three or four years, isn't it? I mean, he, he has done that multiple times about multiple different types of things. And again, I don't I don't like singling out specific players, but Clichy has, I mean, this is a chronic problem with Clichy where he just sort of, he loses his mind at some point in a game. And it goes back to uh, when Eduardo had his leg broken mm. by Martin Taylor. Uh, the end of the game, he just lost it and, you know, gives up a, a, a penalty. And, of course, Birmingham scores. And, and from there on, you could look down the line, and he's done this multiple times. Mm. The but, consistency is an issue, isn't it? Because, um, you know, we've gone on three games and we kept three clean sheets. But the win over West Ham while it was joyous and wonderful because it was so late and everyone loves a late goal, it wasn't tremendously um, convincing as a performance um, against a team that was bottom of the league. I know they're scrapping and uh, you know they're fighting for everything being in that position, but you might expect a little better. So, I mean, is that one of the issues that, that you see as well, that we haven't been able to keep the momentum going? As soon as we get a little bit, we tend to fall off. I mean, we started the season really well and then had those couple of bad results against West Brom and Chelsea, and we managed to get ourselves back on track again, and now we've had a bad result. Uh, do, do you see this as being uh, an ongoing thing, or is, is the team capable of going on a longer unbeaten run? Well, I think they're going to need to get some consistency in the lineup, to be honest. There, there's so many injuries. You, you know, they should be able to play together. They, uh, they should all be able to play together. Mm. But the reality is, is, that, is that when you switch the lineups as much as it seems to me like we're doing, you know, with players going out to injury or, or in, in the case of Jack Wilshire, a red card, well-deserved red card. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I have to say that in case some Stoke fan is listening and, and wants to write <laughs> wants to write you some nasty letter. No, I doubt there'd be any Stoke fans <laughs> listening to this. I have to say, but um, yeah, I, I think a part of that is, part of that inconsistency is down to an inconsistency in the lineup. Sesk has only played six games of the ten league games, and you know, and Wednesday when you had an entirely unfamiliar midfield, mm. it it seems. It seems to me like that is also part of the problem, where, where the injury the injury issue is catching up with Arsenal, and they just can't seem to get any kind of consistency in the lineup, which then translates to sort of these weird performances where sometimes players... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com come in and out of games and mm. they don't they don't know where to be on the field or sure uh, well i suppose that's a, it's a good point actually when you don't get to play with certain players or you're changing combinations all over the pitch uh, all the time we'll have to hope that uh, they can uh, they can find that as the season goes on and we can uh, you know fix some of those injured players but uh, that's a, a vain hope well, to, i think <laughs> just to give you an example um and i hate using chelsea but i'm gonna uh <laughs> Essien and, and Mikel have played all 10 games, and our only player who's played all 10 games in the league is Arshavan. Right. So. Well, there you go. Um, all right, well, let's talk about Robin Van Persie a little bit, and I know that injuries and tackles and things are uh, is uh, something that you cover in a uh, fair amount of detail on the blog. The injury to Van Persie happened, fairly innocuous challenge, and he's been out, and it was supposed to be six weeks, and then it's been you know 10 weeks, or it'll end up being 12 weeks. And he's now being called up into the uh, the Dutch squad, um, regardless of the fact that he hasn't trained with Arsenal, he hasn't played with Arsenal. He's been called up to the the, the Dutch squad for a friendly. Well, what's your take on the rules there? That you know, should a club be able to just completely nix this, uh, given the fact that you know he's been out injured for so long? That's it's so complicated because the the FIFA rules are very clear on that, but but it just seems to me like actually you know the way I'm, I look at this is is why would they do that? I, I don't understand what what they're trying to prove by mm. by calling him up. He's not going to be able to play, so they're just doing it in order to sort of flex their muscle. And it just seems like such such a dick move, to be honest. <laughs> and it's like it's like they don't need him. They've got they've got plenty of other players. He's not going to play. Um, or if he does play, then that in itself should be something that you know Arsenal could take action against. I mean, it, it just seems to me like the balance of power between the FIFA rules and the club rules is just completely out of whack. 
where with clubs that can when a club can call up Van Persie at the last minute like that when he has never he hasn't played in how long did you say I don't know well it was uh, it was August Six wasn't weeks. it yeah, yeah August he hasn't played since August and 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 Holland can call him up and Arsenal can't do anything about it well I mean they could they could they could say no and then he would get a ban right isn't that yeah, how that works they can prevent him from playing yeah yeah and then well, I don't know how how long can they prevent him from playing? Isn't it just one game or? or I don't know. I, I don't know that we've ever been down that road, but it does. I mean, it's one of the things that has been a problem down through the years that the uh, the national sides have all this power to take players when they're injured. And uh, I mean, it just it just seems bizarre, doesn't it? That, you know, a club that pays a player's wages has no say over where he goes when he's injured and badly injured um, at that. Uh, that. That's probably the thing that's most galling to most of most of the Arsenal fans is that is that he he has been out for so long. I mean, I could under sort of understand if he was if he had been playing, you know, if he started playing in the beginning of November or something. But he hasn't even played a game. He hasn't even played for the reserve side. He just started training, or he will start training, um, I believe, this weekend on on Saturday. Yeah, uh, or, or or Sunday. So it's it's really really incredible. And I, I really, I honestly think that they're doing it just to sort of flex their muscle and show Arsenal that, you know, they'll call up whoever the hell they want. Mm. All right. Well, let's look ahead to the uh, Newcastle game at the weekend, Sunday kickoff. We've just beaten Newcastle in the Carling Cup. Newcastle had their eye on a uh, local derby against Sunderland and rested a lot of players, and it worked because they gave Sunderland a good, uh, good thrashing. So it'll be a fairly different Newcastle team that that comes. Uh, to the Grove than the one we saw in the Carling Cup. Um, how do you think the team is going to respond again? I suppose it depends on who we've got back from injury. Absolutely. We're going to have to have, I, again, I don't want to pick on any one player, but I don't. I, I really would be afraid for Craig Eastman if he starts in the holding midfielder role against the likes of Joey Barton and Nolan and mm. these people who are really going to put themselves about. They're going to come out. And and they're going to be very physical, and I don't see Eastman as being able to respond to that. So, yeah, it's going to be down to whether we can select Alex Song, whether Sesk is going to be fit, which is a huge question mark for the entire season, mm. and uh, and you know the rest of the team then sort of falls into place. I really think you build around those the, the midfield of, of Sesk and Song, which is incredible to say considering. <laughs> How, how how much song has grown in the last year or so. Mm. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you really build around those two and, and, you, and you get some consistency in there. And I think we can, we could do something with, and Wilshire as well. Wilshire has got, Wilshire's tremendously talented and not afraid of somebody like Joey Barton. I can tell you that. Sure. <laughs> you can tell that. All right. And, and the game is going to be uh, it's half one kickoff over uh, this side of the water, which means it'd be the middle of the night over what there. Time is, uh, it's what a one thirty kickoff here. So, uh, so, yeah, it'll be 4.30 in the morning. Uh, well, you'll be up then. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, Tim, Of course. <laughs> well, uh, you know, fair play to you. Uh, and well, enjoy the coffee at that stage in the morning. Uh, we better leave it there. Tim from 7 a.m. kickoff. Thanks very much. Yep. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed to Tim. You can find his blog at www.7amkickoff.com. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can do that to twitter.com forward slash 7am kickoff. And the seven in each of those cases is the number seven and not the word. Uh, Twitter is full of Arsenal players at the moment. We've got uh, Jack Wilshire on there, Henry Lansbury, 
Uh, Chesney has joined up this week uh, to have some banter with Wilshire, which is really quite funny. You should check him out. And of course, Sesk Fabregas, the captain, is on Twitter. And you should check out who Sesk is following uh, to know that he really is a man who knows. Sesk knows. I mean, who can argue with that? Hi, and welcome to another quiz in the Can You Play Like Gail Clichy test. Here's the question. The opposition right winger is finding himself in acres every time. Do you A. Concentrate and mark him harder. B. Ignore that tendency in your game which sees you sucked in field all the time. Or C. Close your eyes and pretend he's not there. You have a think. We'll be back later with the answer. Still to come, we'll have some uh, discussion of the games to come. But I just wanted to touch on something that I noticed the other night. And this was with about, I don't know, a minute to go. Maybe we were actually in injury time. And Shakhtar were trying to keep the ball down in our end of the field. And it was in around our penalty or near the corner flag. And one of their players came running over and tried to charge J. Emmanuel Thomas off the ball. And J. Emmanuel Thomas is six foot four. He's only 18 or 19, but he's six foot four and he's, he's huge. And this guy ran into him and literally, and I mean the actual literally, literally, and not the Jamie Redknapp, not at all literally, literally. He ran into to Jay and just bounced off him. But like landed on his arse, you know, six feet away. And Jay took the ball and hoofed it upfield and nothing came of it. But I was trying to compare the physical impact that Jay could make compared to the impact that someone like Carlos Vela can make and we brought Vela on with half an hour to go needing a goal and uh, maybe I'm forgetful but I can't remember Carlos Vela scoring a goal away from home in Europe for Arsenal I remember Carlos Vela scoring some lovely goals at home I remember him scoring some beautiful goals in the Carling Cup when there's little or no pressure I remember him scoring that fantastic goal this season uh, when he got on the end of that 24-25 pass move. But that was a goal to make it 4-0 instead of 3-0 or whatever it was at the time. I, I don't quite remember. But when you're away from home looking for a goal, I'm not sure Carlos Vela is the man to get you that goal. And I would have some fairly serious doubts as to whether or not Carlos Vela is ever going to be a guy who can get goals on a regular basis for Arsenal. And that's not to say he hasn't been given time, because he has. Last season, he was poor. And we're going into another season, and it it seems to be more of the same. And we've got an 18-, 19-year-old English lad, J. Emmanuel Thomas, who is tearing up uh, the reserve league, scoring goals for fun, who adds skill, as much skill as Carlos Vela, as far as I can see from the bits I've seen of him. And not only does he add skill, he adds physical presence. If it had been up to me, I would have liked to have seen half an hour of J. Emmanuel Thomas and nine minutes of Carlos Vela, because I've seen Vela time and time again come in and make little or no impact. J. Emmanuel Thomas is being talked up by the manager as a huge talent, a massive talent. He's seen his mate Wilshire come into the team and take his chance. I think if you put him in the team, he'd be much more likely to score a goal than, than Vela. And Vela, I'm not sure, is entirely suited to English football at all. I'm sure he likes 
the setup at Arsenal. I'm sure he likes the wages at Arsenal. I'm sure he likes the nice contract he got at Arsenal uh, for doing very little to deserve a new contract. And maybe it's not beyond the realms of possibility that I've got things completely wrong, that next season or even later this season, Carlos Vela will prove us all wrong and turn out to be a fantastic striker. But if I really, really had to put some money on him, either making it or not at Arsenal right now, it would be on not. So I'd like to see in games like Wednesdays, when we're chasing, when we're looking for a goal, let's bring on J. Emmanuel Thomas. Because European defences aren't used to playing against skillful six foot five, built like brick shit houses, guys you bounce off like Jay. Whereas left footed, show pony, kind of weak, fall over a lot, doesn't do much with the ball, guys like Carlos Vela or Ten a Penny. Jay Emmanuel Thomas, a bit different. Anyway, that's just me perhaps talking off the top of my head. Uh, let's look ahead to the Newcastle and Wolves games after this. Hi, and welcome to another part of the Can You Play Like Gail Clichy test. Here's a scenario. You're away from home, winning 2-1 in a game in which you've seen one of your teammates suffer a horrendous injury. The ball is bouncing around your penalty area in injury time. Do you A. React quickly and kick it as far as you can upfield. B. React slowly and still kick it as far as you can upfield. Or C. Stop, look around, have a think about what you're going to have for dinner, decide on a steak, think about how you're going to cook that steak, and also think about what you're going to have with it. Perhaps some julienne potatoes and some asparagus spears done on the grill. Then look back and find the opposition player there, and instead of kicking the ball upfield, kick him, giving away a penalty, which brings about a horrific run of form, which ultimately costs you any chance of winning the league title that year. You have a think, we'll be back later to tell you what the answer is. So two big, big games coming up this week in the league, uh, starting on Sunday against Newcastle at home. Now, I know we just played them in the Carling Cup, but the team that we played, as we mentioned earlier, is going to be very, very different. How different our team is remains to be seen, because normally on a Thursday evening, there is some team news. We get some injury news. Who's going to be back? Who's not? So far, nothing has emerged on the official site, so I'm in the dark, really, at this stage. Uh, Newcastle will be playing a fairly full-strength team as opposed to the team they put out in the Carling Cup. They come into the game on the back of a 5-1 win against Sunderland, helped, of course, by the fact that Titus Bramble is completely rubbish and got himself sent off and the whole lot. But nevertheless, they're coming into it full of confidence. Kevin Nolan, one of the leading scorers in the league. Yes, strange and all as that sounds. And with Joey Barton in the team, who did his best when he came on in the Carling Cup to injure both Eastman and Cesc Fabregas. And if he'll do that in the Carling Cup, you can be quite sure he'll be right up for it in the league as well. On Wednesday in the league, it's away to Wolves. And they're a team, of course, that have been I suppose, uh, highlighted for their physical style of play this season. Carl Henry sent off uh, for a horrendous tackle on Jordi Gomez in the Wigan game, and we know what he's like because uh, he got sent off last season playing at the Grove for a, a rotten tackle on, on Thomas Rosicki. Regardless of what he might say or Mick McCarthy might say, it was reckless and Rosicki is lucky he wasn't any more injured than he was. Uh, so it's going to be two very, very physical games, and we've got to stand up for that. We've got the quality, the skill, and the ability to deal with the physical side of things. Certainly on, on a football point of view, we've got more than Newcastle or Wolves will have, but we've got to be able to stand up to their um, 
kicking tactics, you might say. So here's hoping we can cope with that and play our football and take six points this week. This weekend, Chelsea are playing Liverpool. And I know Liverpool are utter, utter poo so far this season. But this is one of the games in which Chelsea can drop points. And if they do, we have to take advantage. We can't slip up. Uh, so fingers crossed we do all that. We get the six points from Newcastle and from Wolves and uh, and make our way further up the table. So so that's about that for this particular Arscast. Uh, I'll talk to you, of course, all weekend and all next week on the blog and on next week's show. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hi, and welcome to the results of the Can You Play Like Gail Clichy test, which tells you whether or not you can play football like Arsenal star Gail Clichy. Do you remember your answers? Good. Well, here they are. If you answered mostly A, then you're a good footballer who makes the right decision most of the time. If you answered mostly B, then you're okay. You've got a decent career ahead of you, but if you didn't turn up hungover most weeks, you could do better. And if you answered mostly C, congratulations, you can play exactly like Gail Clichy. And you should choose a different career, like surgeon or pilot. Thanks for taking the test. Bye-bye. 